When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, I might have been able to recover a bad quality of the audio from what just happened there, but my recorder stopped recording, and I didn't notice for a little while. But we were having a very good conversation about age. Yeah. Do you have it in you to start the whole episode again? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Absolutely not. But can we move swiftly along to a beautiful gift that Guy Montgomery... um, before we get to the gift, I had one other oh. question. Oh, yes. Sorry. Well, you, you say that we um we watch these movies and discuss them to punish ourselves. I did say that in a version of the start which may or may not have played in this episode. See, I'm having uh, real trouble understanding. But you've provided perfect context. Continue with, okay. the, with the question. Okay. So the people listening, you just take your medicine. It arrives as it is, and that's the worst idea experience. Fuck you. So what was your question, Guy? It was about the uh, the the way that you framed the podcast. Oh, yep, 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 yep. And it, it came on the heels of you saying that we're in our early to mid-30s. Mm. And when you ran the two together, while we sit here in our roughly 50th day of a um, pretty thick girthy, state-mandated, health-conscious lockdown. Yeah, it's about getting skinny, getting trim. That's right. Uh, Our Prime Minister has told us all to go into our houses until we meet a certain (laughs) BMI and (laughs) threshold, and then we're all allowed out to go to our biggest summer music festival, (laughs) Rhythm and Vines. (laughs) We've all collectively been shredding for R&D. And then we can all revel and bask in the reflective glory of our collective <laughs> health. I don't know. I feel like um, BMI got debunked. All of that to say, when you put the information together in the context we're in, I hated it. Why do we do mm. it? Mm. Why do we punish mm. ourselves mm. when we could enjoy ourselves? Well, I've been watching movies recently because, um, look, the real diehard worst idea uh, heads will know this. I've had a child recently, 
which means uh, in my particular circumstance, staying up very late at night so that my darling wife can um, escape having to uh, secrete breast milk momentarily and catch some shut eye. Um, and I watched, I've been watching some movies, man. I've been watching all sorts of things. I saw Sicario last night. I haven't watched good movies in fucking years because of this goddamn podcast. And I finally feel like I've got this like opportunity where I, I, I've, I've got to be awake. And I don't have enough like mental resource to be doing work during that time, but I've got to kind of keep an eye on a thing. And what putting a movie on is so perfect for that. And I'm going back to good movies, man. It's a breakthrough. I'm so happy to hear it. I've also, um, if the charges having watched a good film recently, I also must plead guilty. And <laughs> the thing about it is, it's so transformative. It is. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's what a, did you watch? It's a What'd funny premise for an episode of our podcast. <laughs> just, Tim and Guy discover movies. <laughs> I feel like Robin Williams in the first Jumanji. Like we've been doing this shit, this horse shit podcast format for like eight years now. <laughs> we watch a good movie again and we're like, what year is it? Oh, man. Um. I most recently I watched a, a film called The Kid Detective, which is like a 2020 movie starring Adam Brody. Who Adam is, Brody. He was Seth Cohen in the OC, and he's sort of had it's like Adrian a, Brody with a moustache on, who choked when he had to come up with a fake stage name. Almost, um, and it was it was enjoyable. Like I I I loved it. Um, but then I was like, it was my you know. Oh no, I don't know what I'm saying here. Is is my perception off? Like has this permanently damaged my um you know, the way I consume movies? And let me answer your question with a question. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, you can say it more emphatically. You can say yes. 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 Uh, yes. The, that movie was fun because um it was tonally not confusing, but like it starts off kind of light. And then it, it just keeps getting darker and darker. And then it gets, like, really dark. Oh, wee. I know. A little rabbit hole of a film. A little rabbit hole of a film. Speaking of little rabbit holes of films, Guy and I today, well, I'm not sure when Guy watched it. I watched it earlier today. Uh, we watched it asynchronously. Asynchronously. We watched it we at watched different times. We watched it at part in at different times. But before we get to that, actually, shout out to our sponsor, a gift guy gave me. He spirited this to my doorstep. I did. It is a delicious 8% alcohol beer made by the good folk in Wellington who go by the name Garage Project. Um, they have not paid for this mention because I think alcohol advertising is illegal in New Zealand. In certain circumstances. I don't what are the rules? There's some weird shit. Well, oh, maybe it's just you can't do giveaways, actually. Maybe that's the only thing. They definitely have ads on TV, radio, and print media. Sports fields. <laughs> yeah, like Little League. Uh, they can't, KFC. They, they can't appear on bespoke podcasts. This is called Sunrise Valley Hazy IPA. It's an opaque beer, and it, it drinks like a juice, and by the end of a, a can of it... Mm. You feel like you've had two beers. 
That's because, guy, a combination of the high alcoholic content of 8% plus the fact that these are tall boys. How many mils are these suckers? I was thinking tall boys 440. This is 440. Oh, yeah, it is 440. We get a princely total of 2.8 standard drinks. My God. When you get to the bottom of this ruthless bastard. And how do you enjoy that beer, Tim? Because I, traditionally I don't I, think of you as an aspect. Like you, you'll venture out of the um, your lagers and your pilsners, but I, I don't think of you as an especially adventurous beer drinker. Um, first of all, fuck you. And secondly, I don't mind a hazy IPA. I've, I think everybody drinks them now, right? It's like the it's only compulsory. beer that exists in New Zealand. This one's quite sweet, though. I think it's a bit. It's almost too too sweet for like a big tall boy version. Too juicy. Yeah, I, I'm into it though. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the gift, and it's a tasty beverage. But it's like it's almost a honey kind of a taste. And when you get to that 440th mil, you're like, "Whoa, probably overdid it there." See, I I I, I dropped around um, this beer because I'm I as as we've previously because you care about me. I care you're about a good you, friend. I care about you, and also selfishly, I care about myself. And it is selfish to care about oneself. And it's important that everyone knows that. Um, self-care is entitlement manifest. And I have no time for it. Except when it applies to me. In which case, it's very important. I thought it would be nice amongst the drudgery of pouring the sort of ceaseless avalanche of pornography down our gullets. I thought, what if Tim and I met up at a time, drank the same beer together, so we arrived at a similar frame of mind not necessarily in thought but an impairment and we just laid back shot the shit yeah Should brother we talk a little porn but um mm. just like <laughs> hey did we watch an adult film today yeah 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 may have crossed the radar no big deal but i just thought it would be a nice like relaxed atmosphere in which we could um catch up and spend some quality time because i'm missing my friends i'm missing I would drop kick a kiwi to go to a bar right now. They're they're endangered. They're an endangered. They're our national bird. I would um, pick it up like I was uh, Andrew Mertens, yeah, and just fucking drop that sucker for two hours at the pub with my mates. Crazy, you should mention Andrew Mertens. I was on his Wikipedia page last night. <laughs> Why? I was trying to find out if he had kids. <laughs> Why? I mean, the natural next question is why. I just he's um he was like my boyhood hero growing up. This is a, for uh, international listeners. This is a rugby union player, one of our nation's greats. He was ten fly half or first five, which is like sort of equivalent of the quarterback. I suppose it's a very pivotal position. Some people call that position the pivot. Um, and anyway, I loved him. And then he was like, he was always really funny and cheeky. And uh, he's got a few iconic moments on on and off the pitch. And then now he's showing up. He's doing a lot of like um, sort of rugby opinion. He lives in Sydney and he like writes for the Sydney Morning Herald and he's showing up in the commentary box. And I'm sort of like, this guy, where's this guy? I love this guy. I need this guy in my life. He had a TV appearance sort of three, four years ago where he was like visibly fucking hammered. That's possible. That's not outside (laughs) of his wheelhouse. And um, I also loved him because he was like, he was so good at, uh, kicking and like at the attack component of the game, but he was also like 
reedy as hell and he was afraid of tackling the other team's players and like it pissed off half the country but everyone else was like nah nah <laughs> the other stuff makes it worthwhile and you just can't do that anymore anyway and I was like god damn he keeps showing up I know he lives in Sydney I think he works in finance um I don't know anything about his personal life. Not that I, by rights, should. <laughs> no, no. Once you join the All Blacks, you just you, you have to be an open book for the rest of your and life. And so, I you're mean, you're subject to Official Information Act requests that's when right. you join the AB. And so, what are you going to do? You're going to fucking land on Google, and you're going to look up Andrew Mintz. You're going to his Wikipedia page. There's no personal life sub paragraph section. So then you're going to punch into a separate tab. Does Andrew Mertens have children? And then Man. you're going to find. Like, you know how there's Wikipedia and then every sport or TV show or like anything has this weird like sub wiki, which is like getting into the details. And I found that he's got two kids. He's got a, a son and a daughter. Yeah. He's got a wife. Do you, do you know rough ages of the kids? No. Um, but I would guess 15-ish, mid-teens, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then there is say. a part of me that's always curious about whether or not the children of athletes are also going to get like you know, I don't know what the percentages are, but if if you know if he has if his daughter's going to get into rugby, or if his son's going to get into rugby, mm. I always think about Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf, two of the all-time great tennis players. Um, they are married with children, and I always think I wonder if those kids are going to play tennis or if they're just going to spurn it completely and be like, I don't want that. It's a fucking big shadow to walk to the end of just to, you know. Stand on my own two feet. The amount of pressure that they would be entering just by picking up a racket to begin with. And also, Andre Agassi's fantastic autobiography, Open, he talks a lot about the intense pressure his dad put it, like the circumstance in which he came to playing tennis, which were just absolutely harrowing and horrible. Mm. Caused like pretty serious uh, emotional damage to the boy, in my opinion. Anyway, this is. Can I, can I, can I ask you this? Unless you're getting to somewhere in that specific uh, cul-de-sac, um, do you think anyone has achieved at like the highest levels? Because I'm I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe Beyonce comes to mind, but I can't remember how that shakes out. Who has just had kind of a, well, actually, no, it doesn't count for her. Who's had an okay upbringing but just fucking killed it in their chosen field? Because I know her dad pushed her to a very intense level. He might not have been like bad about it in the way that the Jacksons. What was their dad? What was his name? I think he's still around, actually. Can't remember. Rand? No, Randy was the brother. But the dad was like a fucking, he was cracking the whip from day one. Big style, the Jackson big time. Five going. So, like, do we have people in the worlds of sport, um, music, mm-hmm. who are, like, number one in their chosen field and their parents were okay? Uh, and it, surely, Yes. I think you dig deep enough into anything, you'll probably, you know, overturn some immense application of pressure at some point, which helped, you know, harden the resolve of these now super successful superstars to to follow the trajectory with the intensity that they did. But do you think I should, should I fuck up my kid in the pursuit of excellence in some specific field? And if so, which field should we choose for little Remy? Uh, it's a great question, and it's one I'm glad you've asked. I think that obviously you absolutely should. Uh, it goes without saying. And I think this is a decision that we should make together. I think Zoe should be cut out. And I also think <laughs> yeah. that when Zoe asks you about it, 
and says, yes. hey, why do you keep pushing this on Remy? You say, I'm not pushing that on Remy. Uh, this is our secret. And I think... Was I would like something musical, to be honest. I've I've been telling Zoe a lot that I'm going to get him into piano at the earliest possible opportunity because I think that's a good base to learn your music theory. Yeah, and, you can go from and it's important Remy gets the theory. Yes. I think, here's what I think. I love the music angle. I think that you get Remy into music theory exclusively. I think you force Remy to read... Every musical theory book there is to learn how to read music, to learn all of the instruments, and you never let that boy pick a single one up. That sucks, dude. <laughs> this is a concept in philosophy called, from memory, uh, qualia. Have you heard of that before? No. Qualia is the um, property of um, knowing something through experiential knowledge. So there's a thought experiment, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's someone's room, so let's call her Sally. I might be mixing a couple different it's okay. Things. Let's get into <laughs> Sally's room. Together. So Sally is a scientist who knows everything there is to know about the color green. She knows exactly where it is on the, you know, color spectrum, yeah. what wave it comprises in the, in the light fucking thing she, she knows exactly everything about green great everything there is to know Fuck. academically i love it but she but she's never seen the color green oh what <laughs> she's never seen it so like does she actually know what green is i think i've completely butchered the but this is roughly what what the explanation of qualia what, is you know what if if I mean, if this isn't qualia, then congratulations because you've created an equally fascinating <laughs> subset of philosophy. Uh, yeah. Well, there's two answers, aren't there? Because on one hand, obviously, yes, no one knows more about green. But on the other hand, a three-year-old who is looking at grass knows more about green than Sally. Exactly, man. And then that, that shit really makes you think. It does. Have you been doing much thinking? Um, I don't think so. I think I cram too 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 much uh, YouTube videos <laughs> into my brain to do any thinking. I see. Do you mm. do you ever leave YouTube feeling richer for the experience? I literally almost always do. Yes, that sounds like yeah. learning at least. Yeah, it's because it, I am. That's like mainly what who's I use YouTube your, for. Who's choosing your videos? Is it Tim or the algorithm? Uh, it's t- well, I I think I've almost trained the algorithm to the point now it's where an it algor- is serving it's me an up shit. Algorithm, yes, a timgorithm. <laughs> Mine was Doesn't better. Quite work. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> How about you? You just you just click on there. I remember when that changed happened, and it is outrageous to think that we've normalized it, and very terrifying. That it, we, it changed from a search engine where it was like, guys, everyone's putting videos up on this thing. So you just type something in that you want to see and it will it will come up. You want to see a guy get hit by a car, but just in a comical way where he gets up and he's fine. That's fucking just Google that. And then the YouTube video will come up. And now it's like, 
hello, we may as well get rid of the search bar because we've got every single fucking piece of data on you. Yeah. And we reckon we've got a pretty good idea about exactly what you want to see right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. It's YouTube's sort of like gone minority report. It's like, you look like you're thinking about watching a snuff film. What if the we true, gave you one now? The true crime of that, right, is I think the algorithm is incredibly geared towards giving you recent videos. But YouTube's been around for about 15 years now. There's a lot of stuff that's older than two weeks on there that no one will ever see now. Well, that it, it gives and it takes, doesn't it? Because anyone can put... The beauty of it is it's your tube. Anyone can put a video up there. That doesn't mean anyone's going to fucking watch it. It's true. I reckon, I think I actually saw once I looked over your shoulder and um, the guy, the rhythm. See, it doesn't quite work. The alga guy doesn't really yeah, sound yeah. right. Algorithm. That's what it algorithm. is. Algorithm. I like that. It sounds, uh, it sounds like oh, an algorithm for algae, though. <laughs> for your one, your YouTube page was just like absolutely lousy with sports highlights. Yeah. I, like, I think wall to wall. I'm a simple man. Uh, and the big lockdown last year, I think I've spoken about this before. I was actually quite proud. This was when like the entire world was shut down. And so to distract my pathetic little excuse for a brain from the uh, state of events, I was watching historical sports events um, that I didn't know the outcomes of. I was watching, you know, like the, uh, <laughs> I was watching like the 10 K from the, I don't know, 1992 Olympics. Um, wow. And I, I was like, you know, traipsing all across YouTube watching these old sports. It is brilliant. I was, You're watching these huge sporting moments with the same knowledge that they had as if it was live. You're a live member of the audience watching in real time. But it happened like 30 years ago. Absolutely. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I was very proud that at one point I had, I did, I got my entire YouTube algorithm to be, um, exclusively like there was nothing that wasn't sports and at one point i even got it so so concentrated that was nothing but cricket as far as you could scroll down the front page of my youtube algorithm (laughs) all they were showing me were cricket videos (laughs) and do you know what i do with that information tim do you know what i do with all that cricket i watch nothing (laughs) nothing no that's not true mate because i think you enjoy it i do that but do you know how many like articles i read about sports i don't watch what am I filling my brain with? That's fucking awesome, dude. Just to, it's called it's called living your best life. It's just so it's I can have like half a conversation yourself. with a guy I barely know at a barbecue, which isn't even fucking legal anymore. Nah, mate. I don't like this. I really object to this denigrating language. I don't like you even comically referring to your intellect as small. I don't appreciate this downgrading of your passion as some sort of um Flim flam, that's actually the wrong use of flim flam, I think. Flim flam's a scam, as I understand it, but like a waste of time. You're getting on there, you're enjoying yourself. That's never a waste of time. Uh, that's true. I am enjoying myself. It was sunny. Fuck you, dude. It was sunny in Auckland today, Tim. Was it sunny while you watched our pornographic movie? I went to the park. Emmanuel Through Time. I went to a park I've named the Big Boy Park because there's this park near Guy and I because we live quite close together now because I moved. And there's a, a big boy there, a big boy. He's uh, like a statue of sorts, but not stone. It's like some sort of glossy material. It's And he's big. He's a big boy. 
It's a sculpture, I believe. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Unless they've frozen and cast a very big boy. It could be. Huge boy, though. I, how tall do you reckon that boy is? Is he like two and a half meters? Uh, two and a half? Mm. You're out of your fucking mind. He's like 10. No, meters. Yeah, he's like 10 meters tall. No, he's no, he's not. Are you talking about the... Oh, he's not two and a half. He's taller than two and a half. Are you talking about the guy on the corner of Dominion and Belmoral? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Two, it's not 10. Guy was like, like four. a person is two meters tall. Mm. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're like right. Normal, but it's like four. He's like he's four meters. He's taller than two people. He's at least six meters. No, I don't think he'd, he wouldn't make six. I don't know how we find this out. We'll, I don't we, will find it, we will find it out and we'll both pick a number. Yes, sick ass. Well, can I? Well, I. I mean, look. I said two and a half originally, and that was stupid. And I said and you ten, called so me on it correctly. Our most extreme guesses were two and a half and ten. Honestly, I reckon four. Hand on heart. So, uh, okay. And I dis. I disagree. And I'm going to find it out for you. But before we do that, you would, you get to pick a secondary number. So zero is six. No, if it's not ten, it's eight. Uh, okay. Sorry, are you, and what are you doing the next? research or am I? Uh, not me, that's for sure. Okay, well, I was going to say it was a very beautiful day and I was going to ask if it was sunny while you watched your porn, but then you were saying you went to the park with the big boy. So continue. Oh, no. Guy? I'm here. Oh, sorry. It just, I changed out of the window and it um, delayed for a second. I'm just basically trying to pot off talking about the movie for as long as humanly possible. I want to get a new record on the board for how long it takes... For us to get to the film, well, you went to the you went to the big boy park, and do you know how tall the big boy is? How tall? Okay, first of all, guess the name of the sculpture. Uh big boy. Close. The word is it? The word boy is in the sculpture. It's called boy walk. Massive. It's called boy walking. Okay, and the boy is five point six meters tall. Congratulations, Tim. The you should have gone to six. No. I, I think even though you were, had the more accurate secondary guess, I think that the initial instincts, um, they speak volumes. 5.6 metres is such a, um, it's a terrifying height because he's been built in a hyper-realistic fashion. So you get there and you're like, this, this looks like a real boy. It's not so big that it's like a theme park style thing where kind of all I can see in my field of vision is the leg and then I look up and there's a head up there. So I can see this whole boy, but this boy is this boy would fucking waste me if he wanted to. Easily. He, yeah. Kick me he aside. Could just break the shackles of being fixed to the ground where he is and that glossy mm. big boy could take a stride towards Tim Bat. Might I it's ask quite scary. When you went to the park, were you with child, without child? We went as a team, dog, baby, wife, husband. Holy shit. All there, the whole unit. A picture of domestic bliss. And was it a blissful experience? It was apart from the fact that we seem to be the only ones who respect wearing masks. That is the case across all of Auckland. But at any rate, we won't dwell on that. Is it it time, dear guy, dear dear co-host, to finally... Lay bare our thoughts and experiences of this film? No, because according to my recorder, we've been discussing anything else for 29 minutes. And yeah. if we didn't broach the 30th minute, I would be disappointed in both of us. 
Right, eh? Hey, well, how was your bir- happy birthday? Let me take this opportunity <laughs> to say happy <laughs> birthday for uh, three days ago. Thank you. Yeah, I am officially in my early to mid 30s still. I turned 33 and I had a fantastic day, carefully and lovingly curated by Chelsea. Um, it was a day of much merriment and celebration. I felt loved. It was the most I've embraced a birthday in a long time. I think there's something to be said for having a birthday in the midst of a lockdown. I usually sort of instinctively downplay my birthday. I think this is just another day. But mm. to, to break up the monotony of a lockdown, I was sort of like, that's my birthday. And that's going to be my fucking birthday. You know, I really like, I made it as decadent as I could, which that rules. Means, and now I feel bad for not getting you a present on the day, but it sounds like you had a fantastic ah, day. Dude, don't sweat it at all. I had an incredible day. Um, I'm going to get you something cool, though. Honestly, Tim, when we get out of here, if you just agree to meet up with me face to face, that is the only present I need. One day, guy. One day our communist prime minister will let her guard down and we'll all escape our houses. Emmanuel through time. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel supernatural sexual activity. The sixth- that is the title of the franchise and the subtitle of the film the sixth of seven films that we have refused to watch sequentially for accidental and uh just difficult some of them are difficult to find reasons uh it's actually a gross disservice to this movie that we have taken 30 minutes to round the corner and start discussing it because this was undeniably my favorite of the series so far they found a theme and they ran with it and they fulfilled all of the tropes quite accurately. Uh, like, it was cohesive pretty much from start to finish. The entire thing made sense. And there was a lot of fun and games in there. And also, possibly the raunchiest of all the Emmanuel through times as well. Um, yes, Queen. It was... I mean, the premise is is and remains comical, like laughable even, but then like a dog with a bone, the sort of seriousness and the the um, the proper way in which they address it. I mean that they they really did a they did a credit to sort of like supernatural is it science fiction? Not really, but like um thrillers. Yeah, like supernatural um, it was, what are they called? Sort of hor- they're not horror movies, they, supernatural films. They laid out the rules of the astral plane that this movie was set in pretty clearly at the top, and they abided them. Look, let me. Can I enter into a blow by blow for the plot? Is that yeah. is that okay? Is that acceptable? Because can I say this? I one hundred percent agree with you. This movie fucking rocked, like undeniably the best of the series. Really, top five of all the Emmanuels we've wow. seen. I think I praise. Top five, definitely, I'd say. There's probably um, an Emmanuel in space. My memory's not good enough to like rank them on the fly or remember yeah, yeah. any I of them the f- in particular. I think the first Emmanuel in space was outstanding. Yeah, yeah, true that. So there's, there's going to be some others that might not allow it into the top three position, but it's very close. 
This was this was really good. So we're on the blimp, the Emmanuel.tv broadcast blimp. There's a storm. So they just, the storm is so severe and so bad that they are grasping at straws to figure out how to get through this. They go, someone floats the idea, we got to do one of those wormhole, world-hopping things that we do sometimes. A little bit of apprehension among the crew because this is a dangerous maneuver to do in such a huge storm. They do it anyway to generate this amount of energy as we've laid out in previous episodes, you got to juice that fuck generator up something fierce. Basically, the only way this blimp will survive is if these scientists can become horny enough and perform with enough sexual stamina to fuck their way through it. There's only one way out of this storm. My dick and your vagina. That's right. And while I'm sure they, you know, that they they would be able to do that without performance enhancing drugs they decide to uh, take some orgasm chocolate which is a chocolate Manuel made them seemingly upon consumption lands you in the middle of an orgasm um you know and for chocoholics i i think there's a word for that and it's called chocolate <laughs> uh but for these guys it's crazy they 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 eat the chocolate and they immediately start coming and part of well, they me, fu- they fuck each other. They don't immediately. I, well, like, no, but they like they are. They start making orgasm noises. Yeah, yeah, because they they're getting hyper aroused. But it's not like they eat the chocolate and come on the spot. They well, don't get me wrong, folks. They fuck. You better believe these two scientists. Well, they do, they bum do fuck, but if it's why wouldn't you call it arousal chocolate then? Because if it, orgasm mm. chocolate would suggest that upon consumption you come. Yeah, man. Yep. I'm with and you. I don't I, even remember them calling it orgasm chocolate. I remember them describing it as Emmanuel's well, special chocolate. It's not just used. It's uh, They do call it that because it's not just used. Orgasm chocolate doesn't just appear at the start of the film. It's sort of Chekhov's orgasm chocolate because it's reintroduced <laughs> later. <laughs> yes, that's what that means. So, that look, we're dwelling on the first 10 minutes of the film, but we've got a redhead who's then having sex with a guy in her dream. Oh, wait. So they do So they enter the wormhole. Then they're they through. Now, but there's a movie. No, sorry, you go. Well, they are. They're through, but they don't know where they've landed, and it's like they haven't land, they haven't pushed all the way through the wormhole into. Uh, like they haven't time traveled in the traditional sense that they pursue. They've sort of landed in a some sort of nether realm, an what in they between, call an astral plane. So. This film made a fantastic decision. This is like film school 101, but I mean, it speaks to the quality of the other ones that I was so impressed by this. When they are on the astral plane, everything is pink tinted. This yep. is a very easy thing to do in the edit. <laughs> little little lush on there. It's uh, pretty much one click away, but they kept it consistently going. So you knew when they were operating at this astral plane. So they get there and they're like, this blimp is out of juice. We don't understand how it hasn't crash landed into the ground. We're floating about in this foreign environment. Everything's pink. We don't quite know what's going on. Um, I then it starts I think to it's a great instance. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's a great instance of a movie embracing its limitations or its budgetary limitations or like its storytelling limitations and, um, sort of effectively taking ownership of that. And actually, like, this is ancillary to the the, the thrust of the main conversation, but I think it's something that um, 
like low budget productions all need to learn to do well. And something that sometimes New Zealand productions suffer from is like, if you don't have a lot of money to make the thing, that's okay. But embrace that. Don't try yeah. and make it look like it costs a lot of money, you yeah. know, because that's when you land in the middle ground and you're sort of, you're in no man's land. And the decision to really put that pink hue over everything and be like, hey, we're in the astral plane. <laughs> Listen, we'll do you a solid. We're going to make everything pink in the astral plane, but in exchange, you will never see a light stand or unedited green screen in the whole picture. What about that? And it, honestly, as much as I love the sort of um, the, the comedic value, like both intended and unintended of breaking the fourth wall and showing us that they're making a movie within the movie that we're watching that isn't about making a movie, to just have a movie which was set in the same like world and asked me to like suspend my disbelief in the same place for the entirety of it made such a difference. I was along for the journey. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny System, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know. I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny System with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. So, um... We're in the astral plane now, and the redhead is having sex with the guy in her dream, or so she thinks. But then Emmanuel walks into the room, and um, and she she wakes up. She's like, oh, "I was having a dream about this guy." But Emmanuel has seen him anyway. It transpires this fucking guy's a goddamn ghost. He's yeah. fucking dead. He's a spirit. Everybody, He's, it's the craziest thing. So he gets he, very surprised that Emmanuel can even see him. He's like, whoa, I was just having sex with one of your crew members, but you can see me too? That's weird. Anyway, I'm going to phase through a wall. See yeah. ya. It's, it's an interesting, like, because we're on an astral plane, they set the terms and conditions of what these ghosts can and can't do. And these ghosts can fuck. I mean, every single ghost in this astral plane is as horny as the most horny person you've met in your life. Which is they, such a fucking good premise for a porno. Guess absolutely. what? Ghosts are real and they are DTF 24-7. It just it makes it all so simple, so clear. If you see a ghost in this movie, look out because 
all they're thinking about is how to get their end away. Like, it's all they want to do. It's brilliant. And it's so brilliant that, I mean, this was, you know, a career highlight for a lot of people in the famous movie, Ghost, which described the terms and conditions of being a ghost with Patrick Swayze, which is that you die and then you become incredibly horny and you have to uh, possess living people's bodies to achieve orgasm. Yeah. But these these ghosts, like, you... you you know, sometimes ghosts in, in TV shows and movies, they can't actually physically impact the people around them. Like, it might feel chilly, or if you walk through a ghost or a ghost goes through, you get a shiver or whatever. But in this movie, they can, like, they can physically manipulate you. And by bind. physically manipulate you, I mean they can fuck your brains out. Can you, and do. You're not just going to get goosebumps if a ghost passes through you in this astral plane. If a ghost comes near you, they're going to wrap their mouth around your genitalia and they're not going to let go until you just, come in their mouth. Just like in Ghostbusters 1 with Dan Aykroyd's character. See, this is pulling a lot of threads from a lot of different films. The one that it borrows the most from is paranormal activity because they say the words paranormal activity and then start playing out a scene exactly as paranormal activity is shot with the security cam footage. And I was just like, you guys are fucking nailing it. This is yeah. great. This is a movie that they put in the middle of the movie, and it was probably the most fun part of the entire thing. You have, uh, so it, it's established with the security camera footage. It's a couple lying in bed, and there's a video camera on them, which we are to assume they've set up because they've noticed that there's something weird happening in the room, and they suspect there's a spirit, but they don't have any evidence, and they want to, you know, capture footage of a duvet being removed or a door being opened and closed while they sleep. And so they do that. And then Emmanuel and Mandy, who is the woman who she's like the spirit medium. I don't know what is her job on the spaceship. She's a witch. She's a well, witch. Yeah, she's a medium. She communicates with and by the... spaceship. I do mean time traveling blimp. I apologize for all my blimp heads out there. Blimp boys. Put your hands up for the blimp boys. Yeah, blimp boys. Let's hear it in the comments. Smash that like. <laughs> yes, like and subscribe. <laughs> uh, but basically, in the astral plane, they get into like a meditation and their spirits leave their body. So they're both sitting cross-legged in a bedroom on the blimp and their spirits leave and then they start just fucking roaming around. Astral because, projection. This is yeah. a real thing And they have and they, done. They go and visit this uh, couple who are filming a... Pa- I don't know what their purpose for going to that place specifically is. It's just sort of circumstantial coincidence, right? They just yeah, arrived there. The, I seem to remember they did. They were looking for something, but I can't remember what that thing was. And so they. Oh, maybe they were fucking around. Maybe it was like the ghost came and was like, "You can do this too." Yeah. And or or, or the medium was. What's the medium's name again? The witch. Mandy. Mandy the witch. She was like, "People can do this. Your spirit can leave your body. You can just fucking fly around the world." And and. Emmanuel was That's like, right. what, really? That's right, yeah, because then they have this incredible like montage scene of stock footage and oh. real hokey generic ADR where it's like they're so fl- good. They're flying over sort of like they've just cropped out the watermark of footage of like Rome and New York and like mountains and you can hear them and it's like they didn't when they did the ADR, they didn't know what footage it was going to be matched to. And so they're just flying over these incredible vistas and they're going, Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, my God. And then for whatever reason, after all these amazing places, the place they actually zero went on and land is a domestic bedroom that is being suspected, is suspected of being haunted by a ghost. 
So they land in the situation where there's a video camera set up on a very boring or normal domestic couple who suspect there's a spirit in the room. And they get in there. And obviously the couple, they can't see any of the ghosts. But Emmanuel and Mandy, they can see if there's a ghost there. And there is a very dweeby, virginal ghost who got hit by a car like the night before he was told he was allowed to go to second base with his crush. Yeah. And then he was in a coma for two years, which I do not even know why they introduced that very like depressing factor. It was like, yeah, I got hit by, I thought he fell downstairs. I can't remember what the ensuing incident was. It was unfortunate the way it happened. There was a happenstance. And then he was like, yeah, then I was in a coma for two years and then I died. It's like, what? Why write the coma bit in? Just get killed by the car. This is a porno for God's sake. I'm trying to masturbate here, sir. I thought it was very important for the verisimilitude of the film that we knew that it wasn't fatal on impact, that he did spend some time in between worlds. And his mum, as articulated in the movie, his mum was the one who chose to turn the life support off. Yeah. Yeah, it was real. And maybe it was the fleshing out of of this character. Um, I don't know if that's a pun when you're referring to being on the ethereal Realm. It can or it can't be, Tim. Use his choice. <laughs> um, however, this guy was great. He was a pretty good comic actor. They gave him a lot of material to work with, you know, if, if, if we're judging this by the normal Emmanuel um, field. And he fucking crushed it. Yeah. This was an empathetic, a sympathetic character, um, but he was also a cartoonishly virginal, classic nerd character from an american film and so he was on a quest to basically get his cherry popped so that he could um you know fulfill his unfinished business so the the domestic couple the man and the woman who were filming themselves sleeping because they suspected there was a spirit in the house that woman was his crush and he would not rest until i think he he fucked her as a ghost. As a ghost, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And like, it's sort of, it's a beautifully teased out, non-specific subplot where basically we spend the middle third of the movie just in this paranormal activity universe where this dorky virginal ghost wants to have sex with his old crush. Yeah. And, and the witch is trying to help him. And Emmanuel, yeah, to an extent. And the 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 woman that has the guy, not the woman, the man, sorry, her partner, the guy that the has oh, the guy who's in the domestic couple who filmed themselves sleeping, is just like he's the dregs of society. He's a dropkick. He's horny. He's like he's a bona fide piece of shit, and he kind of gets what's coming to him, which is his partner gets. Absolutely obliterated to orgasm by ghosts. <laughs> and he but, kind of just idly sit, lies by and watches it happen. Now, everything we've said so far sort of looks and smells like a normal Emmanuel movie, albeit one that's on the higher caliber side of the whole gamut that we've watched across the last 40-odd films. Aye, aye. Here's, here is the twist that elevates this movie above 95% of all the other films in this franchise donned with the title Emmanuel. While the ship, sorry, while the blimp witch and Emmanuel have astrally projected their spirits to go visiting the suburban scene and help out this virgin ghost, 
another different horny ghost from the ethereal plane that the blimp is currently existing on finds their bodies and takes Emmanuel's because it is currently unoccupied. She's sitting there in a trance, empty state, cross-legged on the floor, takes her body, pisses off, leaves the room and starts boning every member of her crew on the blimp. Brilliant. A breathtakingly choice piece of writing. Yes. Uh, And for like... uh for a franchise that is built around this character of Emmanuel, who is this overwhelmingly sexual and like alluring figure in the world of the films. And like this Emmanuel through time series, she's almost been a, um, a narrative vessel who facilitates like basically pornographic parody or satire of different genres. And like other characters are sort of having sex around her. There was something deeply satisfying about being like, you know, putting the go- a ghost in the machine essentially, and being like, "How are we going to get Emmanuel to be the focal point of this film? We're going to put a ghost in her body, and she's going to walk around this blimp, and she's just going to try and fuck anything that moves." Yeah, she has sex with Renee. She has sex with Jack. She tries to have sex with Colonel Sanders, and he won't have any of it because he's a military man, and he has his, his head his head's on a, squ- a swivel. Yeah, he's, believe. He, she tries to seduce him in his office and he's like, not happening. Uh, not happening, sweetheart. Also, another thing to remember is like, there are ghosts coming in and out of people's bodies. So this ghost gets total control over Emmanuel's bodies, but there are ghosts who also just occupy a body momentarily for as long as it takes them to have sex with the nearest person and then finish. And um, it means that we get to see a lot of the actors in this movie do like body swap sort of Freaky Friday style performances where it's like, you know, Renee all of a sudden is not Renee as we know her, but she's some horny ghost, which is, I I mean, I admit it's not a million miles away from the character of Renee ordinarily. But here's what makes it fun. Now she's horny and she has an Eastern European accent. And can I say, fucking crushed it. Hell yeah. Are you pick? Yeah, I can hear that. What's going on? (laughs) Is that me? No, no. It's this sort of... (sighs) Oh, is it the... I know what's happening. Those people guys, outside your door? No, that's not my door. Well, the outside of the house. They, these people who put those speakers, they put like yeah. megaphones underneath their cars and then they yeah. play like 10 seconds of what I assume is like TikTok music. It's um now this I is sound, the real turning point I, I of us 90. being a hundred yeah. years old. I did. I <laughs> this is going to make me sound one hundred and twenty. I watched like half of a documentary about this subculture on Re News recently, and it fucking rules. These dudes like do their own DIY sound systems up and just mount a speaker on like a car or a bicycle and attach it to a whole like power supply and and figure the fucking thing out and then just play. You know, it depends who it is, but often just the most obnoxious 12 <laughs> seconds of music through a suburb in the middle of the night. <laughs> and it rolls, Dude, and they have big battles. And uh. I I live, I mean, we're close to each other. I don't know if you're getting it up on your end, the Sandringham end of the neighborhood. Nah, nah, we're in quiet. We are in the crosshairs of the subculture. Oh, dude. I, can't, I mean, I'm a great sleeper. I kind of love it. It is. It's. It's like moderately annoying, but it's yeah, also. Yeah. It's kind of cool. That was honestly. I'm wearing noise cancelling headphones. Like, that was the best sound system I've heard so far. I got a fright 
when they, they came, came through loud and clear for me, man. That's fucking nuts. I don't know if it'll get picked up so well on the uh, the microphone that it guys didn't look, got. It didn't look podcast, like it didn't look like it was reading. Maybe a whisper. Anyway, look, this Eastern European ghost that turns up midway, well, like three quarter mark in the film, provides a lot of fun opportunity for some accent work among this. Yeah, plucky crew it's on Emmanuel.tv. Like, to me, that's the thing. Is just all the writing in this movie works perfectly because they're like, okay. There's an Eastern European ghost on the blimp, and it's going to go, and everyone's going to get a turn doing the accent. Yeah, it's so good. Also, this is the first movie where Ron Jeremy finally gets to have some sex. Well, yeah, he kind of does. They present it. So there is a spirit called Tori, um, who's a very slutty ghost. Actually, if you if you want to hear about a slutty ghost, you should Google Two Hearts Slutty Ghost. I don't know if it's online anywhere, but our friends made an incredible song about a slutty ghost. Um, oh, they yeah. perform they perform as the musical comedy duo Two Hearts. It's Laura Daniel and Joseph Moore. I think people will be familiar with them. Yeah. The song's um, on Bandcamp. Oh sick. It's so it's so good. It cracks me up every time I hear it, which has been a surprisingly um Big number of times. Anywho's, we've got this um, slutty ghost who walks out of the screen where she's haunting Ron Jeremy and fucks him. But then someone walks into the room and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing? Why are you jacking off?" And he's like, "Oh, god damn it!" I don't <laughs> Actually, wait. he says shit, and it's quite rare to get swear words in these films. Yeah, so yeah. It's always real satisfying when someone and swears, he, yeah. and he gives a good shit. He goes, "Ah, shit!" And then he says he had a wet dream. But before yeah. that, he had a moment which was, "I'll say my shining light," which is when the ghost first comes in and starts seducing them. Him, he goes, "Holy moly!" <laughs> that was your shining light. There's something about the way he said "holy moly" it really tickled me. Well, my shining light's going to be the. Oh, I disconnected. My shining light's going to be the way that he said, "Oh shit." Because it was so naturalistic. Classic Ron Jeremy. Wow. We're really hooking it up for Ron Jeremy today. Yep, sure are. There's just like uh, uh, everything just, every decision they made in the writer's room for this Emmanuel paid off. It's like they, they got down to basics. They're like, I guess, I, th- I think we should maybe look at this in terms of the hierarchy of needs for a, a, a film in the Emmanuel through time series. So obviously... The first objective of this these films is that there has to be sex in them. Yes. And so they say, okay, this one, they're in a world with ghosts. All the ghosts are horny. The ghosts are trying to have sex with everyone. You've got your sex. Like then basically you need your comedy beats. And so they say, okay, one of the ghosts is from Eastern Europe and whenever she possesses the body of a different person, they do the Eastern European accent. Bang. What are the other like? What are the other things that you you know? We need a cohesive plot, and they're like, okay, basically, we already have established this blimp as a time traveling blimp that goes through wormholes. When it goes through this wormhole, it gets trapped on the astral plane. Bang! It's like it just felt like everything was very clear cut. They made really mm. like confident, conscious decisions that, as a viewer, meant you know these movies are pornos, but we're not necessarily watching them as such. I have not tried masturbating to a single one of these movies, which frankly probably makes my opinion irrelevant. Mm. Well, it depends on the audience listening to these reviews, I guess. If you are looking for the most uh, masturbatable Emmanuel film, then I'm so sorry to say you've probably come to the wrong place. Yeah, and honestly, I'd probably send you back to the 1970s. 
Now, I would like to commend this film, sort of just picking up on what Guy's talking about here a little bit, taking the ball and running with it in a, in a slightly diagonal uh, situation. The moral of this movie, because we've got all these scenarios where a ghost takes over someone's body by possessing them, and then the ghost is very much enjoying their rockin' new bod. And so the there's two morals of the story. Number one, ghosts are real and they're fucking horny. Number two... We're all fucking hot, but sometimes you've got to get outside your own perspective, your own body to appreciate just how goddamn sexy you are. Absolutely. It's kind of like that saying, a change is as good as a holiday. It's like you're probably hotter, way hotter than you think, and you just don't appreciate how hot you are because you are with yourself all the time. But everyone else just sees you briefly and they're like, that person is fucking hot. Yeah. It's like looking at your body from another person's body. Is, yeah, you nailed it, guy. Is sexy. Um, I don't know if we've got any time for guests, but this would probably be about when I would expect them to turn, to turn up if they were gonna. Oops. Oh, God, I've oh, it appears you've dropped something. Allow me to Good. help you pick it up. Is it George Lazenby? The one and only. George, how the fuck are you? Pretty fucking good. At I, the time of record, um, we've just had a new James Bond movie come out, yes. at least in the UK. I saw it. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I went to the cinema. What did you think, George? Could use more Lazenby. Ah, that's been your critique of a lot of these James Bonds since uh, the 70s. Yes, naturally, but I, I, I thought it was a, a, a noble farewell to Daniel, who is, um, well, he's a very sexy man. Oh, you got a bit of, you got the sweets for old Daniel Craig, eh? Big style, big time. Mm, lovely stuff. Um, Actually, Guy Montgomery, who's here, who's the co-host yeah, of this yeah. podcast, hey, yeah, myself. George. We were recently uh, on your webs, well, sort of not your website, but your agent's website, and um, saw that you. We didn't realize that you had merchandise, which is pretty cool from oh, your, yeah, your yeah. outing you as Bond. Have, you got to have merch. You don't have to have merch. That's the interesting thing about you. Actually, don't because <laughs> do, yeah, yeah. so Roger Moore, uh, Sean Connery, Pierce Brosnan. Um, who am I missing here? Oh. Daniel Craig. None of those guys have Bond merch, but interestingly- Dalton's got merch. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. I don't know if he does. He's got merch. Look it up. He's, he's definitely got merch. Oh, he's got merch. Big style. <laughs> Is, that okay? Is that where you took a leaf out of Timothy Dalton's book? He took it from mine and I sued him because it was- Oh, really? It was my idea to have merch. And so you so you're suing people not on infringing on the trademark of James Bond, but infringing on the trademark of yeah. being James Bond and then doing merch. Oh, it's not just Bond. I've got lawsuits with everyone who has licensed merchandise for any intellectual property anywhere in the world. Wow. I don't know what conversation you had with your representation, but you did not come up with the idea of merchandise. Well, you wouldn't believe my luck, but it turns out my manager is also a lawyer. So they're taking care of all that. And it's cheap. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I just we had to actually, pay up did, front. I had to pay 50,000 US dollars. I see. That's not generally. It's called a this, retainer. Yeah. And then every hour they work, it's $1,000. So and they're usually, working around the clock. And I'm going to get a lot of the money back. 
It's not how managers and agents generally structure their fees. Um, Guy and I actually, we were having a chat about it and we probably could have guessed uh, that your representative was on the, you know, more economical side of things, having viewed the website. Well, it's not economical for me, I can tell you. I'm in ruins. Well, yeah, that's because you've got, instead of a good agent, you've got a shoddy lawyer as an agent. No, no, no. They were an agent first, lawyer second. Anyway, they assure me that as soon as some of these cases start coming through, we're going to be rolling in dough. Okay, fantastic. So who are the big hitters that you've got in your cross here? So are you taking to to court? Well, Disney. You've gone for the mouse. The mouse is in your crosshairs. <laughs> so does it concern you at all that, that Disney now is sort of, um, I think that might be the biggest media company on planet Earth at this point. It doesn't concern me. It excites me. Right, because I guess that prize is all the bigger. Yeah. You're like um, the guy whose name I can't remember because I never read the book, chasing after Moby Dick, the whale. Captain Nimoy? What's his name? Uh, Are you talking about Moby Dick? Yeah. (laughs) Is his name Ishmael? Oh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Walt Disney is my white whale. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So you're pursuing litigation with them based on the concept that they do merch at all. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Pretty fucking baller, George Lazenby. (laughs) While you're here, let me pitch you. Can I pitch you a, a um, concept for a pornographic sure thing. film? Wish you would. With my, with my friend Guy. Yeah. Um, so I want to pick up on a theme that we've saw, seen. Look, there's an old saying in Hollywood good artists borrow, great artists steal. Guy yeah, and I that's just, that fucking Walt Disney stole my idea for merch. Yeah, exactly. So you're very familiar with the concept. Um, we have just seen an adult film that nice. really did you come? Got, didn't come. Got the juices flowing. It was um, we thought a really effective and great use of uh, just like budget and cast and production, and it was horny as fuck. Here's the concept, George. Ghosts love to have sex with living. People. I hope you're right because I'm going to die one day, but I don't, I don't plan on finishing fucking. You're going to fuck for all time. See, this appeals to men of a certain generation like yours that just want to. The, the millennials, we're so tired. We're so tired of trying to find a house we can afford. No one's fucking in our generation, man. No one's having sex. It doesn't oh. happen. Oh, it's that's a shame. You'd love it. Gen Z, have you done it? You better believe Gen Z aren't having sex. Baby boomers, they love to fuck, but they're very tied to a sort of um, experience which is limited to their physical time on this realm. They have no belief in the great beyond or any sort of uh, existence beyond their mortal. Great beyond, fantastic REM song. I'm a huge Michael Stipe guy. (laughs) That. Does not shock me to hear. And you'll be happy to know that R.E.M. was my number one pick to feature as the soundtrack for this ghost, horny ghost Oh, film. I love that. And you're not going to believe this, George, but there was, I think, R.E.M. was my first live concert. Holy shit. You serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. That's, that's, uh, that's me in the corner. It's me in the spotlight. Yeah. I can't remember the lyrics. Losing to that song. your religion. 
mm. or life, but not desire to have sex with living people. So we've got a lot of ghosts. They want to fuck. Uh, We've got a lot of people. They're very confused but turned on by the ghosts who are good at fucking. We, we, we sort of iron out the kinks as we go along. I'm figuring this is kind of like a, you know, UK office, um, curb your enthusiasm style of thing where we have loose ideas of where the scenes need to start and end, but we hire some talented players and then just let them sort of figure yeah, out yeah. in between. Okay. I'm- what do you think? REM's going to soundtrack the whole goddamn movie. You had me at REM. I love it. I mean, wrap it up, wrap it up with a bow. Sign me a check, brother. We're going to need a little bit of cash for this. Every one. single, if for no other reason than clearing those rights to those songs. Every single REM chorus is the equivalent of edging for me. As you really? know, Tim, I I suffer from an undiagnosed medical condition, which means I can't come and um, hold into this painful, exhausting erection. But whenever I hear Michael Stipe, my God, I get close. Mm. So to pair that with a porn is uh, well, it's a match made in heaven. Powerful stuff, George. It's great to see you. Yeah, I'm glad I should you're be, into it. I should be going. I understand you boys have been recording for a while. I'm expecting a check in the mail. <laughs> Me and, too. Um, I'm expecting a lot of checks in the mail. And I, te- I just want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah you go. No, oh, I was going to say, I tell you, who else is expecting a check in the mail is my lawyer. You haven't paid him yet? Oh, I, I paid him everything I have up front, but he, he's still working on it, so I owe him more. Well, listen, brother, maybe if you sell enough T-shirts of that one time that you were Bond and you sort of capitalize on that I do masks fact, too. You do COVID masks? Yeah, I'm a big pro-vax guy. Get vaccinated. Oh, shit, what a niche market to try and tap into. I see a lot of people making a lot of money on the anti-vax market, but you're going pro-vax? Yeah, I'm super pro-vax. I don't know if there's a lot of cash in that, to be honest, George. Well, there should be. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> you and me both, huh? All right, mate. See you later. I'm going to go and get vaccinated for the 15th time. Cool, man. <laughs> Bye. Okay. I'll go now. Shall I go? Guy, can you maybe see George? Yeah, you can go. Okay. I'm leaving. Bye. Okay. Still here? Oh, Jesus, isn't No, no. I think actually, uh, I think you're gone. <laughs> okay. I think you're gone. I think I see another guy who's just like who's just like coming in the back door, but you left out the front door. I don't know if that guy's tricky. coming in. I think he is. I think I see him. <laughs> I think I see him really knocking on the him door here. right now. Border inspector. Hello. Oh, get a- hey. hey, boner inspector. How the fuck are you well i'm pretty good just up working the beat working the beat to hoping to catch someone beating their meat okay but uh before they come because what i want to see is a boulder i don't want to see i don't want turgid time i don't want to see anyone after they've come i know i know in fact nothing fills me with more shame than seeing uh, a semi-erect penis on the way down is that too visceral? No, I just feel sorry for you. <laughs> yes, I know. I feel bad about your situation in life. Well, it's not what I asked for, but it's what I got. And it's my we'll, lot. We have to play with the hand that we're dealt, I guess, don't we? 
We do. We do. Now, let me read you this. Mm. Did your cock get hard during the film? Boner Inspector, I hate to disappoint you again for like the 30 whatever, 7th, 8th time. Um, but it didn't. But can I say this? I feel like this is the kind of movie where it could have. Mm. Like... If, it, if I was sort of watching for leisure rather than like a forced thing where I was taking some notes and I didn't particularly want to be there, it was a bright sunny day, I was watching a porno in the middle of <laughs> the middle of a Saturday. You know, I, I feel like under the right circumstances, this is, a, this is a great adult movie. There was a lot of very horny scenes. I'm, I'm, it's kind of something I'm for everyone. Writing it all down is good to know. What about you, but, um, Montgomery? Whimper of an erection. The... the the suggestion of a stiffy, the beginnings of a boner. Ah, uh, yeah, probably maybe the beginnings, but nothing more. Like Tim said, it's it was not an unarousing film, but um, honestly, and this is not meant to disrespect you or the hard work you're doing. Hard. Well, the aspirationally hard work you're doing, but no, I, no, no, it was a double entendre. Uh, yeah, okay. Because it's a boner. Oh, yes. That he's inspecting. We got it, Tim. Uh, I, <laughs> I I, just think at this point, like, and look, we've got, I think, three more films to go. So never say never. And you never forgive yourself if you stop showing up and all of a sudden we've got a boner. But, like, we are not watching these the way that they're meant to be watched. And that highly decreases the chances of a boner. Ah, I appreciate your honesty, albeit the 30-odd films down the line, but, um, you know, I, I hear you and I, I respect you. You know, we've all got our, our, our tools to hold and our jobs to pin down, and for me, that's trying to find a boner, and for you, that's watching a porno. Well, it would seem, stoically, never even approaching a boner. What's a boy, or in this case, three men to do? Perhaps we could try and give each other a, a boner right now? No, I think we need to end our um, operation, actually, at this point. Sorry, Boner Inspector. We've been chatting for about an hour and ten minutes, which is uh, sort of approaching some sort of a record. Um, for this particular format, so I'm I'm terribly sorry, but I'm going to have to ask well, you to. Well, I, I don't care what you guys do. I'm going to try and give myself a boner. Hey, and power to you, brother! Like, be the change you want to see in the world. You're a boner inspector. Maybe go out there, get a boner, take your pants off, have a look at it. Okay, accomplished. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Fantastic. Thanks right, for the mate. inspiration. Okay, take care. See ya. Bye, man. One confused dude. Guy, why did we never think of asking the boner inspector to go inspect his own boner? This feels like a perfect solution. I feel like it's sort of like tickling. You know, you can't tickle yourself. You can't inspect yeah, your own true. boner. But he seemed excited. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure we'll catch up in a future episode of this podcast. Guy, it's cool to hang out with you, man, but I've heard uh, my baby cry a couple of times, and I feel like it's kind of rude for me to lump all of this with Zoe right now. Hey, man, you got a life to live, and I respect it. Great to catch up. Thanks for listening. Thank you to everyone on Patreon. 
Thanks for the beer. Oh, dude, my oh, pleasure. It was honestly so uh, a highlight of my day. And I can say that about doing this podcast very rarely. <sighs> All right, folks. Love you, buddy. We'll see you in the next one. Goodbye, Guy Montgomery. I love you. Salon. Salonge. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.